0: Welcome to Insights for Manufacturing, the podcast that supports the UK manufacturing sector, hosted by Jeff Beecham, the manufacturer's recruiter. Hello, and welcome to Insights for Manufacturing. I'm delighted to welcome my guest today, James Selker, who is the CEO at the Manufacturing Technologies Association. Welcome to the show, James. How are you today? Very good. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, You're very welcome. Been looking forward to this conversation and uh, having been to the Mac show or the Mac exhibition last year, uh, I was looking forward to, you know, to talking about that and uh, finding out what's in store for next year's uh, show. So we'll get on to that in just a bit. James, we were discussing previously, you know, this once in a generation opportunity for the UK to reindustrialize, if you like, and enable more reshoring. How big a part can technology play in growing our productivity and and competitiveness?
1: Well, obviously, Jeff, it's absolutely fundamental and I'm glad you've asked that. Obviously not not to represent actual proportions, but as we all know, there are three fundamental things that are needed to make a productivity improvement. One is technology, which is obviously what our members do, anything from very sophisticated machine tools, software, metrology, robotics, additive manufacturing machines. In fact, literally anything that goes into an engineering-based factory. And so if you look around your surroundings now, anything man-made that you touch has got on this technology, it's where manufacturing begins. And as much as I would like to say that's the only thing you need, there are two other fundamental things that are also required. Uh, One, of course, is the skills to actually... Acquire and then subsequently deploy that technology within the factory, and also, of course, the finance to make it all happen. So yeah. that's my three-legged stool of in improved productivity. And obviously, that although that's not the same as competitiveness, it's obviously a big chunk for a manufacturer towards remaining uh, competitive, not just in the UK but obviously on, on an international stage.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. And I, I suppose those three, you know, founding ingredients or sort of support mechanisms, if you like, they've got to be in the, in the right mix and with the right people or organisations. And I suppose the timing of these things is, is critical as well. So it's almost got to be everything's got to be aligned. Very, very, very much so. Uh, but actually, there's
1: some very good news, because as I'm sure you've noticed when you uh, buy your new phone. Every time there's a new generation, in general, of new technology deployed, it generally is far better in terms of its human machine interface. So, yeah. in other words, a lot easier to use and, uh, and obviously much more capable. I mean, it's, a, it's not a surprising fact that the technology available today is more powerful than it's ever been. It's more affordable than it's ever been. And even with the increase in interest rates, it's still very cheap yeah. to completely reequip your your factory, and yeah. obviously, as you mentioned before, Mac is the only show; it's the national show in the UK, where it's all there working. We literally build a small town, etc., with you know thirty thousand people of yeah. our
0: community on site. Yeah, it's amazing. Why hasn't technology been adopted at a faster rate in in manufacturing t- to date? Because, you know, a lot of Organizations and, and businesses and, and government have been sort of banging on for probably, you know, the best part of 10, 15 years about automation, robotics and all these wonderful new technologies. And it's as you say, there's new things happening all the time. But then we're still way behind on productivity. What what's the reason for this sort of lag in in pickup? without wanting to depress you any further, you're absolutely right <laughs> on, on the, for example,
1: the robot and automation deployment. It, it's actually got worse, mm-hmm. not better. However, the good news is, I think that companies are realizing that it's not a choice. Um, we all know that uh, we, we're living through a skill shortage, etc., etc., And also automation is often designed to To um do the dirty and boring and sometimes hazardous uh, parts of work in the factory yeah and and so although everyone might say, Oh the robots are going to take my job, what am I going to do now? In fact, the more competitive your company is uh it's there's a lot of data to support the fact that you then get a better paid job yourself that is yeah. less boring, is less dirty. And is less potentially hazardous. So we really need to work together to dispel that myth that myth that that somebody's going to come and steal my job. Yeah. Now, certainly it displaces jobs, but it also creates much better quality jobs. But to answer your question, actually, I'm sorry I went a little bit off piece there. Um, we did a report with Lloyd's Bank a few years ago, and I, I don't think anything's really fundamentally shifted since then. And there were several reasons why technology hadn't been deployed at the rate it should have been mm-hmm. and the main thing 30 percent of respondents or over 30 percent of respondents uh, said it was the lack of skills so we come back to the skills thing now obviously there is a, there is uh, many other reasons and it's a complex one but yep. if we but if we focus on on skills and we're able to improve that radically i think we would you know
0: um, remove a very important blockage in the system. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, yeah, I mean, I've heard, I've read a, a load of articles over the last couple of years about, you know, this perception that, you know, robotics and automation are gonna take our jobs. in some circumstances, would it be fair to say that automation and robotics could actually be a, a saving factor for a business to actually keep the business open, to make it sustainable so that business has a future, because if if you know the the businesses aren't becoming more productive they they they're losing money they they're losing um work to com- the, you know the competition wherever that might be and jobs can be lost if the businesses don't automate so i think that ties in with the message you said earlier manufacturers have really got no choice now but i think the the people that have got this misguided view that it will take jobs you know worst case scenario if it's not embraced you know quicker jobs will be lost. Yeah, beautifully put. Uh, I completely
1: agree with that. And in fact, when you say what's not to like about um, automating the, the worst jobs in the factory, for example, mm. and creating better points when I'm doing my retraining to be upskilled and therefore to be able to earn more, if for some reason that particular company can no longer employ me, I've suddenly become much more employable. Yeah. And there are several regional schemes around, uh, uh, that are actively, fully supporting, or at least partially supporting, uh, upskilling of workforces all over the country. And it, <clears throat> it d- disappoints me when uh, there are a lot of good schemes out there
0: and the amount of take-up is very patchy depending on which region we're talking about. Yeah, well, as you say, you know, there's a skilled shortage and I, I've had this discussion with a, a number of uh, guests on the podcast and and throughout my my, my sort of day to day job as a as a uh, executive headhunter, if you like, with with leadership. But you know, how do we get more youngsters into manufacturing? There's some fantastic technology available. Uh, some of it, uh, these are my own words. It's mind blowing. We've seen it, you know, at, on factory tours at exhibitions like Mac. You know, how how could we use this as a driver to to boost the uptake in, in manufacturing careers. Because I think the apprenticeships have have slid, haven't they? They've sort of gone in reverse. Um, and it's a it's a desperate situation. It is a desperate
1: situation. But again, um, on the old every cloud has a silver lining, it also is an enormous opportunity. Yeah. And again, it, you, you ask very pertinent questions and there isn't a silver bullet for it for sure. Um, but a few ideas we have uh, are uh, aligning uh, government long-term policy better between departments. You know, if, if, if our aspiration is to grow the content of manufacturing, which again, I don't think is a choice because since Ukraine, since the pandemic, we've recognised the importance of sovereign uh, manufacturing capability. Yeah. The key for onshore and to, for the climate crisis is to ensure that we are offering world competitive service and products out of the UK supply chain. Uh, uh, you know, I think, I'm sure you're not old enough, but I am uh, unfortunately old enough to remember the Buy British campaign in the 70s when we were, all, we were all encouraged to buy a very poor number of products that were not only expensive, but they were not competitive in terms of quality. And the last thing I think we want to do is, is go anywhere near that. But with the advent of the jaw-dropping technology that you described, it's not just productivity improvement, it's overall capability. Mm. So if you're talking about additive manufacturing, which I, which I uh, uh, hope that we can touch on a little bit later, you can actually produce parts that are literally unproducible now. Yeah. Uh, the, the sophisticated technology. And um, it, it is an incredibly exciting time. And also, you know, if you go along to Mac, for example, and you say, "Oh, I want a bit of a uh, productivity improvement," and the general public thinks that we're talking about ten or twenty percent because uh, it's the, the the new piece of technology or equipment is just that little bit quicker. We are not talking about that at all. We are talking about factors improvement.
0: Yeah. Um, you know,
1: when I was still in industry for some years ago now, the last uh, machine I bought reduced the cycle time from 16 minutes to three and a half. Yeah. And that's not uncommon. So, so I just cannot understand why the UK manufacturing base isn't literally uh, uh, re equipping their fa- factories yeah. uh, over time, but, but over a period of five years because things are accelerating, they're not decelerating.
0: And that that just puts uh, an interesting vision in my in my mind. The way you've described that, you know, and, and I often hear businesses and individuals talking about incremental change, and it, it's it's a journey. We've got to, you know, we've got to do. We don't got to change everything. We've got to make some some tweaks here or there. But actually, with with some of the technology available, that incremental change or those incremental gains, if you like, in productivity could go from a you know the start of a a, a, a sort of slowish-paced journey into an actual launch pad scenario, really, with the sort of massively. figures that you're talking about. Mass- massively.
1: And, yeah. and just going back to your previous question, because I, again I didn't answer it. So I apologize for that. Um, so so to how do we attract youngsters into what should be an incredibly exciting industry, one that pays way over the average yeah. in the UK, uh, where there are many degree apprenticeships available where you effectively get paid to learn, you know, sort of what's not to like about it. I think that that, um, people like us at the MTA need to do so much better on advocating what a great industry it is. Now, obviously we do try hard, but clearly we we are still not properly succeeding. And uh, we, believe me, we do um, often discuss it some of the things that we do directly uh, is to run uh competitions uh, uh which uh, the tdi challenge which i'll touch on hopefully a bit later but we invest hundreds of thousands in a in an education and development so at mac with with lots of partners who do interactive stuff formula one cars we yep. have the cars rover there last time in order to try and inspire the young we we literally bus thousands of secondary school students in, often supported directly by us, mm-hmm. uh, in order for them to be shown around by members of apprentice, members of apprentices, so that they can get a proper story from someone who's in the same age generation as them. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. we support women in engineering. We support STEM. We support industrial cadets. We support Imagineering, um, and we also. Uh, continue to support and work with uh, the MOD because the MOD are one of the biggest trainers of engineering mm. in the country, if not yeah. the biggest. And so we encourage our members to to consider that and, and take on service members because the life cycle of a service person is obviously different from his, his or her uh, civilian counterpart. Yes. We also reservists, obviously. And even cadets, um, you know, when you've got young people who are at school who are willing in their own time to go and learn different skills from first aid to venture training mm. to, um, to signals to some of the STEM subjects and even learn to fly or field craft or boats, you know, the, ho- the whole range of amazing activities are available for about i think it's about a pound a week yeah Yeah. charge and but they're they're hidden because these guys are at school but don't you want to employ somebody who can be bothered to do something completely different off their own back
0: oh absolutely Um, i mean they're they're they're, they're, what's the phrase they're they're ripe for the picking aren't they you know because they're they're demonstrating that that attitude and that desire to uh to want to learn and you know set themselves up for the future it's capturing those inquisitive minds early enough that they're not yeah. put off uh yes. or talked out of you know a career yes. in in creative or or manufacturing or engineering
1: 100 percent, 100 percent. and we were very honored to be recently awarded the armed forces covenant silver award um yeah. for, for some of the work we do there but uh you know we, we're delighted to have it but the reason we do it is that from a business point of view it's not a no-brainer and from a doing the right thing as supporting our armed
0: forces it's also a no-brainer so it's a yeah. real win yeah. yeah so tell me about the the tdi challenge then james what what is it and and how can uk manufacturing you know really harness uh the the sort of successes that, that the tdi challenge have, have already shown
1: yes tdi challenge is something we're particularly proud of actually um because Uh, there are a number of engineering-based schools competitions, uh, which are fantastic and many of which we support. The TDI challenge is unique in really two or three areas. One is, and the most important in my mind, is it's very light touch for both the teacher and the student. So it's GCSE category and A-level categories. So basically, you do almost nothing other than the expected coursework, whether it's, say, for GCSE or, a- or a- level, The other thing is that we insist on a commercial uh, aspect to it. The UK as a country, as we all know, have got a worldwide reputation for being amazing innovators, yep. but less good at actually capitalizing on the benefit of all that innovation. And so trying to build that thinking in of viability with inventiveness, with, with, with the uh, ability to apply technology and design and so forth, we think is really important. And thirdly, uh, and perhaps slightly less, less uniquely, we offer amazing prizes from iPads to a very large awards for both the student and indeed the school, because we recognise how important the school support is in yeah. running the competition. And those who are lucky enough to get to the finals we sort of designed this mini exhibition at Yamazaki Masag where you've got machines making machines so that them and their teachers and their parents can all have a look around really what a modern factory is all about with the technology deployed. Yeah. Um, And so we create this mini exhibition where where the judges go around and they've really got to sell their ideas and their prototypes uh, to all the judges, as if they were at a commercial exhibition. So we think we, we we are always astounded and delighted with the innovation that these students
0: show. It's incredible. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's hope that you know all of us can can give this you know wonderful opportunity that's that's the the TDR challenge. You know, a lot more uh, coverage and, and support. Um, and it'd be interesting to see what, uh, what the outcome is this year. What, what is there a, a date or a range of dates for this? Yes, uh, we're going out to,
1: to the schools at the moment and uh, we've got a, we're have got we getting our initial entries. And the, the finals tend, I don't think the date's been properly set yet. It goes onto our website, um, but that will obviously be
0: uh, towards the end of the summer term right okay well good luck with that what an exciting initiative and uh look forward to hearing about that and uh you know maybe showcasing some of the uh the winners or the outcomes a little bit nearer the time so you mentioned additive manufacturing a little bit earlier and and i suppose from a a, you know manufacturing process perspective uh am is arguably one of the fastest growing and and evolving technologies probably over the last 10 years or so I'm excited to see its progress and development of, of the the machines. I, I I just love uh you know new technology. How do, how do factories make their products, you know, there's human skills involved, but the actual machine the plant and machinery itself is is just mind-boggling. Yeah. That they, they I had a conversation back last year with um uh Professor Kate Black up at University of Liverpool. I think Kate's also the CTO of meta additive uh, which was a spin out of the university and it was interesting that you know there's a there's a a hugely adaptive and and growing palette of of additives and the range of applications so where's all this gonna gonna end I mean um, you know AM I think in the early days was used for sort of like rapid prototyping and sort of bespoke one-off type of things but you know is there more of a general hope and consensus that it, it will be ad- adapted more widely for more yes. you know sort of medium and, and high volume manufacturing
1: uh very very much so certainly the age of industrialization and the take up um of am is accelerating from a very small base and yeah. i think that that um a lot of the industry we perhaps over talked it up over the years and, and so It was in danger of being a little bit of a fad, But I'm really pleased to say that the technology is is certainly mature enough to be applied in industrial um, applications. Mm. And if anyone is thinking about, well, when's it right for me to to look at at additive manufacturing um, and which sort and uh, and so forth, we actually um, have relaunched AMUK, Yep. in conjunction with the mtc in coventry who are the national center for additive manufacturing um, so they take care of lots of the technical aspects and, and, and we we're, we're basically making a new trade association that covers the entire additive manufacturing supply chain from material and software through to the equipment through to the inspection and through to people who use them mm-hmm. bureaus and also of course the academics who are Closely associated uh, with uh, to continuing to develop the technologies. Yeah. So I think that it, it remains exciting. I will say something a bit controversial, which is I personally view it as complementary more than disrup- more than uh, displace going to displace subtractive. Yeah. And I think that it will end up being approximately between ten and twenty percent. Of the total manufacturing technology market in the industrial uh sense yeah uh, which is mainly metals based and uh i think it's going to it's just as you say it's hugely exciting and um, to to be able to do uh, small production runs and even larger production runs depending on the material that's being used and what technologies have been deployed yeah the other thing that's going to explode over the next 10 years i also believe is uh, automation and every time we all think of automation we automatically think of a, of a robot and, and understandably so
0: yeah
1: robots actually account for a very small proportion of automation solutions and you will see uh, not only our members who supply robots and automation solutions um, our members who produce uh, machine tools for example you'll find much more integral automation again on the basis that it's all going to be very easy to use yeah, software base. So that I think is a very, very hot area at the moment, and also, of course, we you, you're used to everyone talking about Industry Four and the Internet of Things and so forth. Yep. But let's just forget all the labels for a moment. This ability to connect machines together to talk to each other, and also enterprises to talk to each other, which effectively is what we're talking about. Most of the applications for that have yet to be invented mm. because it's all enabling technology, reliant on the user to go. How can I use this better? So yeah. the opportunities are literally endless.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of a lot of businesses have already sort of taken quite a few steps down the road of um, IoT devices in the factories, and uh, um, when you were talking about, you know, automation is going to be, you know, a big growth area. I think the the food manufacturing area in particular and sort of packaging have, have been they've been, I, I suppose I'm not sure trailblazing would be the right sort of phrase, but they've been very much um in in the sort of forefront of um you know using automation, you know, for for tasks that, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago were were, you know, often done manually. Um, now, you know, I can't imagine very many medium to large food manufacturing environments or packaging environments where the production lines aren't at least semi or not fully automated, you know, um, and that may or may not involve robotics, but the whole production lines themselves, you know, the, um, as you say, the software, there's a lot of pneumatics involved, PLCs and um, technology, these complex production lines, you know, have been on the market for you know a number of years, they're still being developed all the time, and there's some you know fantastic technology available. Um, but perhaps some of the other you know subsectors within manufacturing could sort of take a a leaf out of the the food manufacturing or the pharmaceutical um, sector, for example, where they've been you know investing in automation for, for quite some time. So um, there's some good case studies out there, aren't there, from from pockets of industry?
1: Very much so. I mean. Uh, you know you look at these huge farms that, that are, are run with i mean i know very little about it but you, you see these programs on television you see the amazing t- tv programs with automated um, tractors with lidar on that sort of water the plants selectively by satellite imagery etc it's just incredible and as yeah. you said the pharmaceutical guys with all their automated labs you know were a big part of uh helping to uh get us quickly out of the awful pandemic in recent years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the carbon tax, um, huge topic. What what work is MTA doing to support your members in UK manufacturing on, on the carbon tax?
1: Yeah, um, well, we are obviously working very hard to make sure our members are uh, fully informed. We arrange uh, events where we get experts to speak on various aspects, uh, of reducing energy, for example, where the technologies are, etc. But I'd just like to say the the MTA members that I've been talking to recently, almost all of them are massively on the case and have been for many years. Yeah. So how do you make a, for example, a machine tool use less energy? Well, they're applying technology to that issue. And so if you buy the latest. Uh, generation of machine tool I the the chances are it will not only be a lot more productive but it will also use considerable less energy yeah. and, and specifically that is I, in terms of applying proportional controls to the ancillaries so pumps aren't running unnecessarily all the time yeah. uh, things like standby modes where you could selectively put things to sleep to suit your own purposes, again, yeah. to use less energy. So there's an awful lot of uh, work going on. Even uh, one of our members I was talking to, it will give you the carbon footprint of each part you make automatically. Yeah. So we're, they're massively on the case, but also the ones I talk to say the way we think, not only making our own factories, obviously, as efficient as possible to use the least amount of resources possible we see our purpose as making our products really efficient because it has the multiplier effect. So all that that equipment and technology uh, imprints across the world, um, the less energy that uses, obviously, it's got that multiplier effect. Yeah. And on top of that, of course, is the delightful fact that engineers are the ones who solve the world's problems. And the crisis, uh, the climate crisis is no exception. So all the windmills and the solar panels and, and um, heat pumps and all the things we're starting to see properly come through are all solved by engineers and they all need making. Yeah. So that is not to be forgotten. And since our members are providing technology right at the beginning of the manufacturing, um, we're, you know we're really proud of that. Um, we recently produced a green report, uh, which is available for free to download from the our website. Yeah. Which um, suggests that the opportunities for UK manufacturing alone around green technologies is up to about a million new jobs and up to 20 billion added to the uh, economy. Wow. Which is, which is just so exciting because yeah. if you think of common sense, we want to reduce the amount of carbon tax. Oh, sorry, the amount of, well, obviously, carbon tax you pay by using less carbon. But if we're shipping stuff all the way around the world from various places, you know, for example, China, uh, where the, the electricity is being generated using coal-fired power stations, yeah, we have to recognize that. And that um, is going to be such a huge need, not just an opportunity, a need for us to, to be able to competitively make things in the uk so that's a that's a a massive opportunity but i'm not saying that everyone's going to make everything themselves what we're talking about is a partial de-globalization so when we do things so well in the uk which we do there will still be those export
0: opportunities open to those companies for specialist products are there there any specific examples that you have or any you know sort of uh Absolutely. Uh, specific support you can describe for, for our viewers or listeners.
1: Yes, of course. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, I, we, we have um, a fantastic team uh, led by Karen Feingold uh, um, with, a, with a specific export committee. So we get, obviously, all the industry input into it. So we, for example, organize UK presence at uh, relevant overseas shows. Um, if there are any grants applicable, we will help companies uh, ac- find them, access them. We will literally hold their hand if they haven't exported before. Yeah. Um, we will send people out to the shows to be able to enable that. We have really good relationships uh, with pretty much all the relevant um, international countries, our, our equivalents the trade associations who often run the shows. So we, we, there are lots, lots of ways. We're also members of uh, various people like the Institute of Export and so forth where there are helplines available. And also we have a hotline into various government departments that can answer more specialist uh, uh, queries, particularly after we exited the European Union. Yeah. So we, we, do, an awful, we do an awful lot. We also, of course, welcome and encourage overseas visitors to come to Mac. And even though in the big scheme of things, it's uh, it's not the biggest show in our industry, obviously because those are the United States and then we've got Evo in Europe yeah. and so forth. We still attract a lot of international visitors because UK innovation is
0: still a massive draw uh, to those people overseas. Yeah. And so it should be, and long, long may that continue. So on the topic of Mac, then, you know, I, 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 I was there uh, last year with, with my son who, who works for me. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, what, what a great day out, Where, you know, whether you're there to, you know, to look at specifying or buying uh, new equipment or technology, or whether you're looking to learn or, or catch up with uh, peers, colleagues, customers, suppliers, whatever the reason, it, it was a great for me, it was a great day out. You know, there was so much there. I mean, really, a day probably doesn't do it justice. You've got to, be, what I found was I had to be so strategic with who I need or who I needed to go and see, who I wanted to go and see. But there was so much there. I don't think I got round everything anyway, and I could have easily spent another half a day there, really. But um, so for anybody that hasn't been to Mac, um, James, can you, can you just give a quick overview as to what it is, who it's for, and and what, what really makes it so successful? Well, uh, thanks for your, for your really kind comments, Jeff.
1: Uh, massively appreciated. You're welcome. Um, so Mac, of course, is the UK's uh, only national show. And what does that mean? It's the only show where all the technology is seen working as if it was in a factory.
0: Yeah.
1: And as you know, engineers love to be able to see, hear and feel um things and whilst there are a number of other very good shows within the the touch on on manufacturing and engineering and so forth that are that are excellent we are the only show where we're bringing all this equipment in. we we're, we are building a small town yeah and because we are owned by our members which is the industry it's 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 Owned by the industry for the industry, so lots of decisions we make uh, where a commercial show wouldn't would say, well, we're not going to make enough money out of that. Yeah. We are so lucky; we're able to make long-term decisions. For example, investing hundreds of thousands in the education and development zone, so students can actually come and see what the industry is about.
0: Yeah,
1: and you know the business conducted at the show uh, from our surveys comes back at um, 150 million plus just over that week. Um, and many of our members use the show for their two-year sales pipeline because obviously yeah. it depends what you're selling as to how quickly you sell it. But in recent shows, um, machines have literally been sold off stands, which has previously been unheard of. Um, we've also introduced, because we recognize that people who visit that generally are interested in making their own manufacturing business more com- more competitive. Yeah, And so we have a very active seminar program, obviously. But we've also started putting clinics on where you can literally walk up to somebody who is very knowledgeable about the subject. So the last night we had a tooling clinic, very kindly facilitated by the Advanced Manufacturing Research Centre in Sheffield, where no one is pushing any particular brand on you. And, and so when you say, well, I'm using this tool for this job, they could they can say, well, you might want to try changing it for this or whatever. Makes yep. sense. So they can make for you know almost no cost changing the tool is literally nothing. Um, it can make huge productivity improvements. So I don't want everyone to think that they've got to spend lots and lots of money buying a machine every time they sit back. There are so many different ways. And the, the next thing in 24, we're going to have clinics. In, re- in robotics and automation, uh, in uh, additive manufacturing. So, if you're a bit confused about where to start and you don't want to be sold to, yeah. uh, we'll be putting clinics on around that, obviously, because AM UK will be sponsoring the AM zone. And, really excitingly, after you were asking about the carbon tax, we're very conscious that the UK supply chain is, is still surprisingly rather invisible. Um, where do I go to place this business that I'm currently placing overseas? How, where do I start with this? Yeah. And so we have um, really created a separate show out of one of the Mac zones, which is called Engineering Supply Chain Show, which is open for three, the middle three days of Mac. And, okay. like it. and it is only open to UK companies. So that again is completely unique. Brilliant. Which allows people, if they want to look at reshoring and don't really know
0: where to start, yeah. there's a whole range of top-class UK suppliers going to be there. That sounds amazing. I'm, I'm a, a very strong advocate for for reshoring where possible. Um, so there's a number a number of additional things then for the next show. I, I already decided on the back of the last one. I'm definitely going to make next year's uh you've just uh yeah there were never any doubts in my mind but i'm even more keen for that uh, not wanting to wish my time away but uh, yeah can't wait for that to kick off really um so just just to round up then james um for any business interested in, in what the mta are doing if um if they've got any thoughts of how you know they might need some assistance or they you know some information that you can help them with have you got any other special events or webinars or yeah. anything like that in the calendar for this year obviously they're going to have to wait until next year for mac but what what else have you got in the pipeline um, oh, yeah think we've got loads
1: it's it's all on our website so i won't give you i won't advertise every event we're doing but obviously our, our uh, big part of the job of a trade association is to bring buyers and sellers together for yeah. the good of uk manufacturers And um, we have, uh, for example, what we call our forecast uh, seminars, which are run twice a year. There's there's an update in April. And then the main one is towards the end of October and November, generally in autumn. And we spend a lot of money, not only collecting data and and producing it for our members uh, in-house, but we also spend a lot of money with Oxford Economics and so market intelligence is a massive thing that we do for our members so that they they know where to spend their money in promoting sure. their products. Um, we also, of course, have energy reduction seminars. One's coming up in April. And many of our events, like our annual dinner in February at the Grove now, are open to non-members to become part of the community. You don't have to commit to become a member. Yeah, uh, You can you can come along and... and uh, any of our regional events that we've we've uh, done two so far this year on different subjects one in the midlands and one in the north so please just look at our websites pick up the phone talk to us we're all about obviously bringing that community together so our our overall aim and you've been a big part in helping this chair is really to make the nation more manufacturing minded yeah. i think if, if we can do that i think we will recognise the enormous asset that UK manufacturing is both financially and in terms of capability and creating jobs and creating helping us get to net zero, uh, et cetera, rather than something that some people who don't know any better view it as a little bit old fashioned and don't, doesn't everyone want to uh, work in professional services. And, uh, I would really like, like us to help the whole nation become more manufacturing minded. Thank you so much for allowing me to uh, speak to you today, Jeff.
0: No, you're very welcome. And uh, very eloquently put, I'm I'm totally supportive of that. Um, And it's nice that there's a, you know, there is a a genuine, you know, there's a huge amount of of genuine collaboration. And, uh, you know, that sentiment of, you know, the the industry, whether you call it manufacturing or engineering, it's, you know, in my eyes, it's all part of the same world. Um, Businesses, associations, uh, you know, coming together to, to help the overall good, you know, for UK um, UK industry, let's call it. Um, okay, brilliant. Well, thank you very much for, for coming on the show today, uh, James. I think it will be worthwhile mentioning um, your website, which I believe is www.mta.org.uk. And there is also separate
1: websites coming out soon for AMUK, uh, the EIA, esc show and the mac show so there's a whole lot of activity going on so it it, so hopefully people can keep their eye out on social media and we'll see when
0: those are launched very shortly brilliant look forward to that okay so that wraps up today's episode i hope you enjoyed our discussion thanks again to james selker thank you for listening and look out for the next episode of insights for manufacturing see you next time and bye-bye